Okay, this morning we are going to, uh, we're getting close to the end of chapter 1 in the book of Revelation. And, and as we are closing this chapter, it is so important to remember how much this foundation is meant for our joy and our comfort. You know, when sometimes, you know, when you get in trouble as a kid, you know, the, you'll, you'll get the, hey, can I, can you, can I talk to you? For a second you know and they're waving you into that bedroom and they're like all security cameras have been turned off the windows are black and you know something at least that was my experience I knew that when I got summoned it wasn't for a good thing but but God wants us to get our attention and he's saying hey come here I want to I want to show you this and it's not it's not to scare us it's not to hurt us but it's to comfort us and to let us know what is going to happen because the book of Revelation is a pretty pretty vivid picture of the end of time and the beginning of eternity and all of the things that are going to happen that are not pleasant. But Jesus is, is wanting to make sure that his church is comforted and he shows us so many things in this first chapter. We see the Trinity that's at work. We see that it's a book of prophecy. We see that if you read it aloud, if you take it and hear it and trust it, that you will be blessed just because of this message. We see that Jesus is, is the one who is still the one who rules over the kings of the earth. And, and now we're going to see him as our high priest. We're going to continue in John or Revelation chapter 1 with verse 9. And we read this last week. It says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and the kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. So John is letting us know the setting that he is stuck on this island First of all, that Jesus sends an angel to come talk to John, gives him this message. And John is letting him know that I'm stuck on this island. I'm in this just like you. Be patient. Endure. God is with us, and he's not going to leave us. And I heard this, this voice, and, and he said, descend it to the seven churches. And now these weren't the only seven churches, the only churches in the area, but they seven churches kind of summarize the state of the church. And you know what's awesome? Jesus is watching. He's watching his church. Now, a lot of times the church gets a bad name. You know, people say, ah, the church, the church, the church. And they, they, they kind of talk down about it. And we live in a generation now where there's more people that are unchurched than there are churched. But Jesus is the one who established this. And so we need to continue to know that this is the vehicle that is going to be used to share this message. In verse 12, it says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And then when I turned and saw the seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. And we talked about how later on you're going to find out the lampstands are the churches. And the, the setting is this, is that Jesus is in the middle of the churches. As I spoke about last week, where is Jesus? He's right there with us. What a beautiful message that is. One of the most encouraging things the Lord ever said to me was, I am with you. I am with you. How encouraging to know that the God who created this beautiful world, the God who did some amazing things just to make this place perfect,
perfect for us is with us, is with me, is with you. You know, we sometimes forget that. We sometimes forget that, that God is always wanting to be with us. And there are times we don't feel him. There are times we don't see him. There are times where around the corner is blocked from our vision. But God is always with us. He is always with us. And Jesus is standing like the Son of Man among the churches. And then it says in verse 13, And among the lampstands was someone like, this, someone like a Son of Man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. And the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing fire, and his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Jesus is with the churches, and now you get this description of Jesus as our priest, as our high priest, who is wearing this robe. Now, this is the only time uh, in this Greek word here is used in the New Testament. But when you look at the Old Testament in the Septuagint, which is Hebrew was the main language in the Old Testament, Greek was the language of the New Testament, and the problem was that a lot of people weren't able to read Hebrew anymore, so they made a translation of it called the Septuagint, which is basically a Greek translation of the Old Testament. So in the Septuagint, when this word is used, robe, six of the seven times it is referring to a priest. Matter of fact, it's referring to the high priest. And here John uses this word and he's describing Jesus in this robe. And we see that it really is a picture of Jesus, our high priest. Hebrews 4 tells us this, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who is ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach then God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have a high priest. His name is Jesus. And he is the one who is the mediator. He's the one who goes and prepares for us to be with God. That's why he says, let us approach God's throne with confidence of grace, with confidence. You know, so many times people approach God in prayer and they are not confident that they belong there. They're not confident that God wants to be there. But Jesus, who is our high priest, who has died, rose again and given us life of righteousness because he has washed us from the inside out, changed us. And there's nothing old about us. We are a new creation. And Jesus, who has made us worthy and justified us to be in God's presence, tells us, let's do it with confidence. Let's do it with confidence. You have the right to be there. You have the right to be there. There is a rule at our house that whenever we buy pop, thou shall not touch. That is a rule that happens. And I, you know, my girls, dad, can, can we have a pop? And I say, no. And then they go to mom. Mom, can we have a pop? Go ask your father. Okay, I'll get milk. You know, it's like, you know, they're always wanting to get pop. Well, sometimes, sometimes other kids come home. And they come in, and we're sitting down. All of a sudden, you heard, and I said, who 
in the world has the audacity to come into my house and open up my pop? And his name is Tony. Tony comes with confidence. He doesn't even ask. And finally, when he was home, you know, during Thanksgiving, I said, we got to change some more rules, you know, because I mean, he, but see, he comes home with confidence knowing that he has the right to be there. Why? Because the mediator mom says, go ahead, Tony, you're home from college. You go ahead. You don't need you just get what you want. The mediator, Jesus, our high priest has come and given us the ability and the right to be in his presence approach the throne of grace with confidence jesus is our high priest we have access to god because of him he bridged the gap created by sin we now have access to the throne of grace receiving mercy in our time of need we now have access with confidence to our heavenly father let us approach the throne of grace with confidence with confidence john says i turned around i saw the voice that was speaking to me and when i turned i saw the seven golden lampstands and it was the Son of Man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash. Jesus turns around and he sees Jesus, but he sees Jesus, the high priest. What can we learn about our high priest? First of all, the Bible says that, and John tells us that his hair on his head was white as wool, white as snow. This is also referenced in Daniel chapter 7. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the hair of his head was white like wool. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be white. They, will be, they shall be as white as snow. As even though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The Lord is telling us and showing us that because Jesus represents the forgiveness and the purity that he is offering that to us. Jesus, our high priest, can forgive us of our sins. Jesus, of our high priest, can wipe out our offense, can wipe out the debt that we owe, can pay the payment necessary for the sin that we have done. Jesus, our high priest, is able to restore us in the relationship that we have with the Father through forgiveness so that we can experience his unfailing unending unchanging love that he has for us the restoration of relationship keeps us in keeps us from continually sinning you know sometimes people think that they can abuse grace they can just go out and do what they want and at the end of the day they'll just ask jesus to forgive them but when you understand the debt that has been paid and they appreciate the love that he showed by dying for us all of a sudden, it keeps us from the ideal of wanting to sin and running closer to him. I know what forgiveness feels like. I've been forgiven by Jesus. I know what forgiveness feels like. I'm a husband. I know what forgiveness feels like. I'm a father. I know what forgiveness feels like. I'm a human. I'm a person. I'm a pastor. And in all those areas, I understand what it means when you've been forgiven when you've been forgiven forgiveness is being released from the debt that you need to pay and jesus paid that payment he pardoned you he forgave you he changed you he released you 
Our high priest is forgiving. And that is one of the things that I believe Satan is always trying to convince people is that you're not worthy of his forgiveness, that you don't deserve his forgiveness. And every time Satan tells me that, I say, you're right. I don't deserve it, but it's a gift that he has given me. And he has freely promised that if I ask, he will forgive me and wash away all my sins and make me white as snow. You see, our high priest is forgiving. So don't run from him, run to him. When you make mistakes, go settle it up. Just go and get it done. Don't waste time in in trying to hide what he already sees. Because that's our next thing. His eyes were like blazing fire. He is our high priest who is watching. Not only is he forgiving, but he is also watching. This speaks about the penetrating insight of our high priest. People know when you have hidden motives. People, even us as human beings, can sense when someone is not being upright with us and someone's not being completely transparent. Tony and I were getting ready to go on a field trip, and this was years ago, and he's a little boy, and and we're excited because, you know, we get to go to the store and, and pack our lunch. And so we go to the store, and we get certain things and certain drinks, and now it comes to the dessert factor. And I said, Tony, go ahead and pick out whatever cookies you want. He picks out the most expensive, no substance, no nothing. They were terrible cookies. He says, Dad, I want these. I said, no, son, you don't want those. I said, go and pick out what you want. And he goes, "Um, I want these. And I'm like, son, that's not a good buy. You don't want those. And finally, my little boy looked at me and says, Dad, why don't you just pick out the cookies you want? I said, good choice, son. And I picked them. (laughs) You know, because people can sense when you're not upright, when you're not transparent. And Jesus is the one who sees through us completely. He knows us better than ourselves. His awareness of who we are is, is true. It is without filters. You know, sometimes we try to cover up our mistakes. Sometimes we try to make ourselves look better than what we are. And we, we don't like to look at all the details because we, no one likes to look down on themselves. But Jesus sees us unfiltered. He sees us how we are and how we are truly in the spiritual realm without any filters and yet he's watching us why because he wants to forgive us he wants to bring us back into that relationship with the father that's all he desires is for us to know the father the way he knows the father first corinthians 3 tells us for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid which is jesus christ if anyone builds on this foundation using gold and silver costly stones wood hay or straw Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It is revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Not only is watching us, but he's watching what we are doing. And when we do things for the Lord, that is the stuff that is going to last for all eternity. When we do things for ourselves, for selfish reasons or because we want praise or because we want recognition, Those things are going to be the straw, the hay, and the wood. And when God brings it to light, he is going to reveal it by fire. And I want us to be people who are doing the right things for Jesus. And then when it comes to eternity, he's going to say, look, what you've done is worthy of lasting for eternity. And we will be rewarded. And we will be given the the praise for the quality of our work. Jesus, our high priest, knows all about us. And he knows what we are doing. 
and our motives, our secrets, our sins, all exposed before Him, including the things we do for His glory and the, the times that we give up our life for the Lord and we give up our desires for Him. He sees all that. He knows us inside out, and yet He draws us near to Him. There's no need to hide anything from Him. He sees it. And if you're doing things for Him, do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord. You don't need the praise. You don't need the recognition. Just do it for Him. When I was up at Little Falls, Minnesota, an internship in college, I was there, and, and I remember the first assignment I had, the first assignment I had, and you know, because I'm coming in, I got all these talents, all these gifts, I'm ready to be used for God's glory, and the first assignment I had was set up chairs in the youth group room. I'm like, what? You know, I don't, I didn't pay, you know, $90,000 to, to set up chairs and I'm doing it with a bad heart, man. I'm just, chairs, you know, and I'm making them crooked just on purpose, you know, and I'm just, I'm mad. And the Lord says, who are you doing this for? Because what you do, I see. And, and I started to realize that, that he's watching everything we do. Our high priest sees us. Our high priest forgives us. He watches us. And he's also our high priest who is secure. Verse 15 continues, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. Copper was the common metal back then, but when you would mix it with copper and tin, you would make this bronze, which gave it strength. And heating the metals and, 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 and curing it made it stronger. The Bible doesn't say that, it, say that his feet were made of bronze or any other metal. The Bible tells us that they were glowing hot like metal. The process of hardening this metal, the process of making it strong, required heating and cooling in a certain way. Security is something that we always want in our life. Security. We want to be people who are secure. And I remember when my wife and I, we were dating, you know, I always wanted to impress her. And so, you know, I kind of had that little walk, you know, just, you know, kind of look cool. And nowadays it's usually because my knee hurts. But, but, you know, I'm trying to be cool and we're dating, you know, I'm trying to impress her in every area that I can. And then she decides that she wants to take me ice skating. And I put these things on my feet and I realized that I am not as secure as I thought I was. And instead of trying to be cool, I look like a fool. And she laughed. She literally laughed at me the whole way. And I'm just sitting there. I didn't fall. But man, I was jiggling like jello, man. It was terrible. And then I'm like, you know what? I take these things off and I put my shoes on. And now I am secure once again. We love security. We love knowing that we are stable. But life isn't always that way. Life isn't always that way. But God, our high priest, is. He is always strong. He is always stable. And he is always calm, even in the storms. Psalm 121 tells us, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, and he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Our high priest is able to secure us because he is secure. It's, it's like when you're helping someone up the steps or you're helping someone walk on an icy street or icy sidewalk and you have them. If they slip, what do they do? They hold on to you because they know that you are there helping them. And when you hold on to them and they hold on to you, you are their security. <coughs> Jesus is our security. He is our high priest. <coughs> Sorry about that. Finally, Jesus is our high priest who is powerful. 
His voice was like the sound of rushing water. There is something awesome about rushing water. When my wife and I, we went on our first vacation away from the kids, and I decided to take her to Niagara Falls, and we drove through Canada, and, and we get there, and we're staying on the Canadian side, and best pizza we ever ate right out of that brick oven. It was awesome. But we go, we go to Niagara Falls, and as we are walking, because, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, high flying in money, and so we had to, you know, get a hotel that was quite a distance from it. So we're walking, and as we're walking, she says to me, what is that sound? I said, that is the falls. That is the water. And it was so powerful. It was so much water. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's such a beautiful place. But it was so powerful that you could hear it. You could feel it as you got closer. And you could sense just the raw power of all of that water. And if you look there, there are ships that have been capsized and, 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 and uh, abandoned because they got caught in the draft and the pull of the water. They couldn't escape and they ended up having to crash the ship. There is something powerful about rushing water. And in the story of where Moses is leading the people out of Egypt and they are going into the desert and finally they get to the Red Sea and they're like, what is this? This is where you want us to die? That we have Pharaoh who's chasing us and we come to this Red Sea. And Moses just cries out to the Lord. The Lord opens up the Red Sea and on dry ground they cross, all of them. Millions of people cross the Red Sea on dry ground. And then Pharaoh finally, after the Lord releases the, the wind and the fire, they go chasing after the Israelites and they're in the water and Moses then prays and the water rushes in and takes away all the enemy no one escaped because you cannot escape the power of that much water that rushes in and the Bible says that his voice was like the sound of rushing waters what a comfort to know that our high priest is able to speak with authority and power and he will rush into your situation and he will save you when you need him the most. That is the kind of high priest that we have. That is the kind of friend that we have. That is the kind of one who's rooting for us, who's cheering for us. The Bible tells us in Psalm 29, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood, over the rushing waters. And the Lord is enthroned as king forever. He sits above the things that are so powerful because he is more powerful. And John tells us, that his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. I don't know about you, but I love it when God speaks to me. I love it when God speaks to me. And one of the best things, like I said earlier, one of the best things the Lord ever told me was, am I not with you? He asked me that question. Am I not with you? And you could just feel the power of God come into that place because I knew that that question was not meant to be answered, but that question was meant to wake me up and to say, hey, the one who is over the waters, the one who is over all things is with you and I will rush in and I will save you because that's how powerful my voice is. He's the high priest that we have, a high priest that forgives, a high priest that is watching, a high priest that is secure, and the high priest that is powerful. I'm so glad that John turned and saw Jesus. Sometimes we need to turn back and see Jesus. We get so caught up in life, so distracted and pulled in every direction that we forget the one who is going to help us find God has always been there. All we have to do is find that forgiveness that he's offering. 
All we have to do is continue to hold on to him when we feel weak. All we have to do is let him speak into our life and he will demonstrate his power on your behalf. He is our high priest. He's the one fighting for you.